Look what you made me do. Look what I made for you. His name is Old Man. Old Man Wayne. I live by it. I die by the phone. Old Man. Old Man Wayne. I'm about to do something terrible. So the first time I'm, I've recorded with Slade Ham, I'm not drinking. And technically it's not early because I work overnights, but I'm off tonight. But I like fell asleep. I woke up and woke up later than I wanted to. And I was like, oh, I should go run to the store and grab a couple, grab a four pack and just, you know, call it a day. Thinking, I was like, oh, Slade's got shit to do. I probably won't hear from him until, until like six. And then I get a deal. I'm like, ah, shit. <laughs> I told you, man, life is life is happening fast. I, I didn't know what today was going to look like. I knew I was going to be able to squeeze an hour or so in somewhere. And uh, I surprised you. So I'm sorry you're having to do this with sober ears and heart. <laughs> and maybe it'll sound better because I've been recording a lot on my own recently and some of them I've been doing sober and I'm realizing that they sound a little bit different not necessarily better or worse but just different so I'm kind of digging the vibe and seeing the contradiction between the two well so I'll tell you the biggest difference for me has always been my ability to close the circuit right if I start talking about something when I'm a little uh not straight then the odds of me finishing that thought are slim, <laughs> right? I'll, I get tangential. And the challenge of the solo show I do in particular has been to force myself to work that muscle out to I'm allowed to venture, right? You have a, you have a main road, you have a thoroughfare, yeah. right? You're, you're interstate and you got all these exits and I'm easily distracted, right? Dog squirrel stuff. So if I'm, especially if I'm going down internet rabbit holes or if I'm talking about something, Something will leap into my brain and I have to go, well, you reach that fork in the road. Do I explore this and, and risk not being able to get back to my topic or do, do I go down this side road and, and make myself have to go back? So when I'm drinking or anything else, then, then my, my map tends to get fuzzy. My ability to get back to the main road, I end up dying like Chris McCandless in that school bus and into the wild. You know what I mean? You're like, you were right by the freeway. I'm like, I couldn't find my way back. So the the podcast, my podcast has been a good exercise in that versus just staying completely sober where you're like, oh yeah, I can, I can find my way back to the road with my eyes shut. Do you mean that podcast, the Slade Ham Experiment? The Slade Ham Experiment. That's the show. It's a, it's, it's, it's nice to, I made the show up. For, for one reason, right? Everybody's doing podcasts, trying I'm, this whole year, and we can talk about this later if you want to, but this is the year of unorthodox approaches. I realized my, uh, the, in fact, it might be today. Is it the one-year anniversary of the experiment that we're taping? Hang tight. I think it, today is, I put out the first episode, the first three episodes, July 6th, 2022. So it's a year oh, today. And... I did it all instead of throwing it into the water and being like, man, let me let me try to compete with everybody doing these smart interview shows and bringing on brilliant guests. And I'm not going to out Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan. Right. I'm not going to out Lex Friedman, Lex Friedman. You guys have the intelligent talks with space aliens or chemical engineers <laughs> or whatever it is you're doing. And I'm going to figure out how to organize the shit in my own dumb head. 
And that's what my podcast happens to be. It's just me sitting down with whatever's flown into my path that week and me trying to work my way through it. Sometimes it's some dumb philosophy I'm trying to work out for myself. Sometimes it's some news story. Sometimes it's I'm just musing on, like you've, you've seen me do, video games and movies that make me smile because there's a shortage of it all. So it's, a, it's fun. And it helps me helps me learn learn my way back to the road, Mark. That's it. It's funny. Uh, so a couple things. I remember having this conversation with you earlier this year when I said I wasn't sure if I was going to continue to do the podcast, but I was thinking about doing it on my own. Uh, one of my closest friends and co-host Javi, um, him and his wife just had their first baby. Mm-hmm. So he's doing that. You know, being being a great um, uh, spouse and soon to be father to his wife and on top of that he quit his job at pfizer in september to go start pursuing his own career like he's doing amazing things uh his video uh him and his team are putting stuff together he's gone around the country uh more than a dozen times this year so he's doing really well so it was kind of like i in my um emotional state I felt sad because it was like, I'm, I was like, man, I'm losing my co-host. I, you know, my friend's still there. I'm losing my co-host cause he's busy. And I felt bad about asking him for stuff, but it gave me an opportunity to kind of work things out myself. Get the, in to your point, you was talking about, cause I was asking you like, Yo, how do you do the slate hand experiment? Blah, blah, blah. Like, how do you write things down? You give me advice. And I, so I tried it. And it's actually kind of fun just talking. And it's uh-huh. funny because I was like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do 30 minutes on a couple of subjects. And then I realized I'm done 30 minutes on one subject. I'm like, oh, OK. It's look, we we trick ourselves all the time into thinking we can't possibly generate enough ideas to fill whatever's being asked of us. Right. That's every artist's dilemma. When you put out an album, the fear is that as soon as it's done, you know, that let down the next day of, oh, my God, now what? Well, now what? You got to write the next album. And it's very easy for us to believe that that doesn't come quickly, that it, that it's this crazy hard process. And the reason it does is because the first couple of things we do take forever, right? Think of the first podcast you, you did. You, you're thinking about what you're going to do. You're going through the process. How much of this am I going to remember? How many notes to take? What am I going to forget? Is it okay to forget? Is it not okay to forget? Can I edit this? All that dumb whirlwind of stuff, right? Big nebulous cloud of bullshit that comes with making something. It all distills itself down after you've done it three times, then five times, ten times. Suddenly you're on the year anniversary or with the Whiskey Brothers, the 13th or so year where you're you're just you've distilled all that down to. No, I just turn on the microphones and I all this stuff comes out and I can dump whatever I want to into it, knowing that next week there's going to be a completely another cup full of stuff. And it's until you sit down and do that and realize that you real every human being has 30 minutes worth of bullshit they want to get off their (laughs) chest from whatever has gone on during the week. And in this instance, it's not even about an audience. For me, anyway, yeah, I can't speak for what you're doing, but it's not even about generating the audience because the value is in me producing the coherent, cohesive, closed-circuit thought that lets me put whatever's been vexing me or whatever intrigued me or made me curious or stuck itself in the side of my head that week Instead of walking around with that porcupine quill for the rest of my life, I get to just pull it out, look at it, address it, talk my way through it, set it down, and then decide, hey, 
does this idea come with me any further in life or am I done with it? Did I get it done on a Sunday in 30 minutes? Because sometimes I do. <laughs> you know what? And it's funny because I haven't, I recorded with uh, my buddies last Saturday, but before that, I think it's been about a month since I put out an episode and I've decided it's like, you know what? There's a, there's, I'm not going to say a snowball's chance, but there's a small chance that at this become something that makes money. And if it does, cool, that's great. I'm all for it. I would love to make money doing this. But if it doesn't, I'm also not going to stress myself doing it. My passion is writing. Mm -hmm. I I have more I have more than enough like uh that's something that I know is going to become a thing one day. I'm going to become a full-time writer. I get paid to do it now, but one day this will that'll be the one thing I'm doing. It'll be writing and that'll be that. Podcasting mm -hmm. is something that I enjoy doing. It allows me, like you said, to get the porcupine porcupine quill out of my head and just throw it somewhere or store it in a store behind my AC like Dexter. Or mm -hmm. um, I take some time. I take some time off. I do what I need to do, and then I come back and do it. And if someone listens to it, absolutely great. If no one listens to it, that's fine because I have a great time doing this. Like so, last week, Go ahead. Well, let me – I'm going to interject. So let me ask. So if in your hierarchy, right? Mm -hmm. your priority hierarchy of, of things you want to do and accomplish writing is at the top right that's tippy, the tippy top. The, that's tippy, the tippy, tippy top. top so mm -hmm. everything you're doing until you reach that point where and even even then but it should all be in service to the writing right yes. so w why would you not you sh why would you not pursue a podcast that allowed that benefited your writing career in a way something that helped you that helped elevate what you were doing as a writer either bringing on better writers and learning from them or to where your your talk is centered around something that at the end of the day even if podcasting doesn't monetize or do anything else you still get some intrinsic value from having done it i actually never thought about that um i've talked to a couple of writers and those are usually well, not not including you, obviously. Um, when all the dragons are dead, until all the dragons are dead, I haven't actually had any. Maybe like two other writers that have been on the show. Uh, and, but it's just difficult to kind of reach out to them because my following on social media is not great. You know what I mean? Because I don't really spend a mm -hmm. lot of time on there. Because over the last couple of years, it's just like yo, I don't need this negativity. Mm -hmm. Please stay far the fuck away from me like i like i have a facebook but i only i only use it literally so i can copy and paste something in a yeah so fortunately form. we live in a world where we are not limited to social media there are there are a billion ways this is the year of unorthodoxy right this yes. is the it's almost the the my the core of my thesis but the the amount of noise you're competing against when you're trying to reach out to someone on with a basic Twitter at do you, you know what I mean? Especially mm -hmm. anyone with any value that has all these people trying to do the same thing. This is the big open front door. This is the, that door, the West wing of the white house, the one everybody cut the one they found the cocaine in, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> the, everybody goes through this door. This is what you're looking for is a window, right? You want to go tap on the glass while, while uncle Joe's sitting at the oval office desk. And him turn around and go, oh shit! How'd you get here? Yeah, everybody else seemed to be up front. I wanted, I wanted to have you on my podcast. That's what you're looking for. So it becomes a matter of 
what can you do to get a hold up? Because you don't have to start at the top. There are the upside to authors and writers is that there are literally almost as many as there are people. There's like to, to varying degrees. So you're just looking for someone who is you're looking for an entry point that is above where you are, right? Yeah. Perhaps a journalist at at a magazine that you respect. Perhaps, you know, just someone that's that's at a place that you're not. And it's not hard to go find those. Those people are easier to reach because they're not getting near as much traffic. J.K. Rowling is going to be a difficult writer to, to grab on a Sunday afternoon. But the guy who's written the 10 most popular articles for Vice or something might not be. And it's because they're less celebrity and they might have a better, you know, a better chance of being reached. But you bring somebody on like that with a very specific, I'd sit down and look at, Look at me, I've just hijacked your whole podcast. Uh, <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not that but but the to look at okay, here's the here's the immediate things that would help me if I solve them. Here's the skill, the three skills that if I had them, my game would be elevated 10x, right? They're multipliers. Yeah. So and you gotta sit down and think about what that is, especially in the in the in the realm of what you're what you're doing right when you're writing about the things you're writing about so i'd kind of spread them out you could use expertise in certain areas you could use you know um editing help not help but like writing um education in, in, in one area you could use there's all these different things that would if you turn the knobs a little bit it makes your writing better some of its knowledge some of it's are like knowledge of the characters and the world you're talking about some of its uh technical writing stuff some of it is creativity in finding creative ways and things to write about right yeah. to to find the things that blend together the commonality all the stuff we've talked about in the past so all of those things would make you a better writer in the genre that you're doing so i would find specific questions i could ask in those little sectors or whatever those sectors end up being and then figure out who's got those answers and get those people on your podcast and the conversation you have with them should be valuable to other people trying to do the same thing. That's well, what I would think. And it's funny you say you're hijacking the uh, show, but it's funny because literally the conversation that you are saying that I should be having with writers, yourself being one, is actually the conversation that would actually help people going forward. Like someone will listen to this and go, hey, you know what? My passion is XYZ and ABC. And let me try to do LMNOP and bring these people on. So it actually make it it's a perfect oh, and this works for this works for this works for literally everyone. It's you can substitute writer for baker. And you can go find the same questions and there are the same experts that are out there. There's a nutritionist or a dietitian. There's for sure someone who actually makes wedding cakes for a living or, you know, those kinds of fancy cakes that are on the, on the TV. And then there's someone who just understands old fashioned baking and the, the chemistry of there's so many different areas. If you bore down into any subject and you quickly realize that, that, that a podcast is just, really the most publicly acceptable way to ask people these questions right if you <laughs> no one no uh, people we feel like people are wasting our time if they just show up in person and only one person hears the answer so that's the currency you have is hey you can help a thousand people at one time instead of just me would you like to have that conversation publicly and most people really 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 are excited to talk about the stuff that they're nerds about and bonus points to you if 
the writing stuff you're asking them about is not necessarily just their career, but it's actually like the the thing they're super passionate about also. And yeah. then it becomes, you know, cool because people love talking about the stuff they're interested in. Well, it's funny, like one of the reasons why I love doing these shows with you is because we we do get into the stuff that you do, like your comedy, uh, which we'll get into later, um, your book, uh, which we've discussed. But we also we nerd the fuck out like like we get to talk about uh, Todd McFarlane's um, how he reinvented the way <laughs> his webs are done um, or something that I want to talk about. Uh, you brought up on, I think, two episodes ago about the franchises that you think. The, the properties that need TV show or movie franchises. So it's things like that when you you find somebody that you're talking to and it's like, okay, like we have a baker. And this baker goes, yeah, like um, making cakes are my passion, but I also love animals. Like, you know what I mean? And, and it's things like that. So really diving into like a person's true passions other than their living passion if that makes well, sense. Well stu stuff will come out. It's the you'll start to see cuz what I'm always interested in when I when I get into someone I don't care like especially if I'm at a party or something. I don't care what someone does for a living, right? Like I I'm interested in what you're interested in. And in a podcast setting, you you got to be careful because if you venture too far off into someone's passion and it's not their vocation, then they can venture out of the realm of expertise. So it's your job as a host to keep it within the lanes of, hey, nobody here is a doctor or a financial advisor, right? You have to, you have to be very clear about what everybody's qualified to talk about. But seeing how what they're interested in influences how they do what they do for a living or how those things sort of overlap, or in your instance, how someone's passion for animals or zoology might influence their bakery business, well, that's interesting to me, right? You're an expert baker, but you're an amateur biologist. Well, holy crap, what kind of conversation can we have now? This is cool. You know what? So, you know what? That's a good question. You're a comedian. Like, you know what I mean? You're a comedian. You're a writer. Those are things, like, you read. Those are your passions. Like, so, when you sit down and you create a bit, mm -hmm. where does that come from? But, like, you're also a world traveler. So, like, so... How does how does your life affect your passion, like your comedy? Well, your so life? so comedy is comedy is very specific, and I think we've talked about the definition before. But it is there's a lot of definitions, right? It's taking tragedy, waiting the right amount of time, and making it funny. There's there's also though it's the overlap of things, right? What is what is similar, and how do we show how it's different? And what is different, and how do we show how it's similar? Right? That's where all the comedy comes in. Have you ever noticed X? That's a lot like Y, isn't it? You know what I mean? And yeah. then you play in the overlap. It's uh, having a having a wife is a lot like having, you know, a new car. Or and then you spend the whole time talking about, you know, it's not knowing, uh, not knowing how things work or not knowing where the buttons are. Whatever the common, I'm grabbing stupid metaphor. But the, the point is, whatever that is, you're grabbing two things, overlapping them, and then letting the audience revel in the revel, like the actual realization of, Oh, wow, these things are in common. Oh, and that's in common. And there's a third layer. And that does something to the human soul to feel all the teeth of the zipper lock in place, right? And watch that guy close all those little compartments. And you go, oh, that felt great. That's wonderful. That's like watching those YouTube videos where they make perfectly swirly ice cream or whatever <laughs> that is. So <clears throat> that's, the, that's what you're ultimately trying to get to. 
And to fill in the same, you could play the opposite game, right? Where things that are not just different or similar, but things that are similar are different in the same little circle in the middle. But to actually compare things, you have to understand things or at least have some experience of things, right? It's very difficult for me to make jokes about a place I've never been or about someone I've never met or something that I've only heard of and have had to imagine and am now trying to regurgitate, right? So that's very difficult for you to grasp because I'm not describing a real thing. I'm describing to you my, my perception of something that was described to me, right? And it's, it's lost in a telephone game. So if you're going to go sit down and fill in these circles of comparison and contrast, then it's best to have as many experiences as you, as you can. If you're going to talk about something, you should have done it. And that's, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I say yes to a lot of stuff. I'll go just about anywhere. I, I'll jump off cliffs. I'll go underwater. I do all these stupid things, not in the name of like trying to kill myself clearly, but because they're experiential. And when it's all said and done, I will have sat down with everyone I could possibly sit down with in every possible circumstance, wherever you grew up, however you were raised, whatever language you spoke, whatever food you ate, whatever weird shit you were into, when it's all said and done, ideally I want to be able to embody as many of those places as I can because I'm a stand-up comedy writer who's going to have to pull out his stupid dumb notebook and his pen <laughs> and, and, and figure out how all these things are like other things and how to describe them to other people and how best to tell the story that's up here stuck in my head. And that's the only way I know how to explain it. And it's not just stand up. I think it's everything. If you want to have empathy in any capacity at all, put yourself in these positions. You're not going to like them all. They're not all going to be comfortable. Some of them are going to jibe up against what you were taught. But at the end of the day, the more of them you're in, the easier it is to understand how how we're all working and how we all see the world and ultimately what those things have in common. And that's where I, as a comic, tend to traffic uh, a lot. Makes sense. It, I also I appreciate a, I appreciate a good comedian. I appreciate someone who. Well, I forget uh, y'all mentioned this on the show for before. I can't remember which one. Uh, your former um guest said this about a joke where like you don't have to explain the joke. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what the hell was this? Um, I'm mad I can't remember his name. Four roses, and he starts talking. And Blake, um, he calls he called a dog field goal. <laughs> and I just busted out laughing before he even got to the punchline, and that was one of the things I love. Uh, Chappelle. I fucking love Chappelle. Like I'll watch him like just talk, and then like he'll he'll go for like a minute or two without making, without the punchline, and then it hits, and you're like, oh, that was totally worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, but but it's a it's a journey. Somebody like Chappelle is taking you. We're walking you down a very specific road. It's I want you to see you know there's and there's different roads I can lead you down, but you can take a joke. And I'm trying to think of an example from my set, uh, the new show I'm working. But there's a nine, about a nine-minute piece in there about dating an influencer and this girl and this trip to Cabo and a bunch of other stuff. And the joke starts with a, with a line. And then I'm leading you down, again, very specific roads and around corners and in a distract. You know how they, when you're playing, uh, when, you're, when you got a pinata and they put the blindfold on you and they spin you around a couple of times and it's all 
designed to make you not know where the pinata is, but then ultimately for you to get enough swings in that you smack the pinata and then there's all this happiness that ensues. That's yeah. sort of what we're doing with the joke is I want you to see this and then forget it's there. And then I take you over here and this is all fun and super distracting. And then I'll bring you back over here just so that I can show you this thing again that I showed you nine minutes ago, but from a slightly different angle. And, but it took us nine minutes to walk around to that. And now this is hilarious, but I needed you to be way over here to see that. And that's the, that's the fun to it. I mean, you're literally designing the whole experience for, for the audience. Makes sense. And Dave's the master. So it's funny because I was I wasn't a big Dave Chappelle fan in terms of his stand up, but I also think for me it was maturity. Mm -hmm. There were just certain jokes I didn't find funny because I just wasn't mentally there. Mm -hmm. After his first, I loved Chappelle shows. I'm not I'm not talking about his like the the sketch comedy stuff. Once his first stand up came out on Netflix. I was like, I need to go back. So I watched his um earlier two HBO specials, and I was like, Oh my god, these are fucking great! Where the hell, where the hell was I at when like where was my <laughs> mind at when all this stuff comes? But and it's obvious it's different because like he he was a different person. I uh, was it twenty years ago when he did that, as opposed to when he came back and did Netflix. A completely different person, completely different experiences, life changes, it, the whole nine yards. So that's something else I appreciate about just anybody in any profession, just the progression of the progression of their profession like how someone can just really look like i i'll use myself as an example as an example i went back and read some stuff that i wrote seven years ago i was like oh I, I can do this better than that and i was and i've been and i've been kind of playing toying with the idea of redoing articles that no. i've done from no. like veto i say no it is the you are you are falling into the same Hollywood. You, you have the same problem mm. Hollywood does. There's no. <laughs> no you understand reason. how many no times reason. we gotta no. watch? How many times we gotta watch GI Joe? I just watched the twenty first Transformers <laughs> movie. It's the which may or may not be a reboot. I don't even. It's so convoluted. They're just shuffling the deck. No, you have new things to say. You don't need to go say what seven year ago you had to say a different way. That kid had his, he spoke his piece. He said what he said, good or bad, as a good or bad writer, accept what those things are, and and write new stuff. The, there are seven years worth of things that have happened since that kid wrote that thing, and you're telling me that you you can't find another thing to write, so you got to go poach his oh. poorly written thing from oh, seven I, years ago. Trust me, no. when I, you, I pitch my editor. I pitch my editor ideas at least at least once a day sometimes three and some of the stuff like i have a google doc of just article ideas and skeletons for things and it's just like and it's funny because i have to keep going back and refreshing it to remind myself mm -hmm. all right you have to do like i'm working on one it was like the uh combo not combo characters uh comic book and action stars that should be dlc's in mortal kombat i pissed that oh strong I well, who that are your top who are your top three uh hang on wait so they they vetoed this no no they they that's one of the things i love about my editor he doesn't veto anything okay even when so there are times where i'll pitch an idea and he'll go hey someone else has done that but um if you can come up with another angle then do that 